Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Fresh from parents evening. Oh, your first one? Kind of. I think three weeks after he started school, there was a bit of something. But what what do, what do they know? What do, you, what do you know about anyone three weeks and nothing. nothing? So it's the first first proper one. Um, it wasn't an evening. It was half past four. Not an evening do, afternoon no. do. Okay. I was looking forward to you know an evening do, getting out with my wife, <laughs> going on a date. It's a parents' evening. With your child's teacher. Yeah. Mm. Um, what are your memories of your own parents going into school for the teacher assessments? See what I'm doing there? I'm trying to not say parents' evening because I'm highly conscious that I said it about four times in a row and then I ended up saying something really weird. Have you seen that Twitter account, Second Mentions? No, what's that? It's exactly that. You know, like in a ta- uh, tabloid newspaper, mm-hmm. if it's a story about Paul McCartney, yeah. it'll say... Um, like Paul McCartney was spotted cavorting in the sun on holiday. The mop, ho- uh, the the mop topped bass player. Right, right. So it's all it's it's retweeting weird uses of language people have um, written to to avoid saying the same name twice. Right, right, okay. Or the same thing twice. So that's what you were doing. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah when it's yeah. a teacher conference. Like when has anyone ever? But but when you think back to being a kid, what's your abiding? memory or feeling I've got, that I suppose that. feeling a bit nervous mm. about my what my mum and dad were going to say when they got home sort of nervous slash excited I remember being relieved one day because my mum said oh the queue for the chemistry teacher was so long so I didn't bother and that was my worst subject so I'm feeling really relieved was the chemistry teacher hot no why was the queue so long <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> the only reason could be because they were hot. I don't know. She, my mum, my, probably my mum's not very interested in science, thought she couldn't be bothered. Yeah. She went to like English and that kind of thing and thought, that's enough, I'll go home now. <laughs> she wasn't, my parents weren't really into parents' evening. That wasn't really no, their thing. I don't thing. Like mine were no. either. My mum says that she went to my brother's parents' evening once and they said they clearly didn't know who he was. So she never really was that interested after that. I, I, I remember that feeling of dread that you're talking about. Mm-mm. I always felt. And it became increasingly true as I got older, but that that my life was th- some thin web of lies, and parents' evening was the thing that was going to um, <laughs> make it come crashing down. I still live with that feeling most of the time, right? 
stuck um, with you. Yeah, and and Parents' Evening is is where it all comes to a head and it gets caught out and the terrible truth about me is revealed. But did it ever happen? Did it all come crashing down? Well, it it did for me a couple of times by the time I was a teenager, but I won't. <laughs> but it was. A, I've, I've told you this before. I'm not sure these are really very ad- adriftery stories, but um, I got to a point when I was a teenager, was it where I wasn't really doing any work, but I was able to cover this up by the, the fact that our music teacher let us go in the classroom and, and rehearse me and my mate Eddie, who played the drums during break times. Mm. And I figured out where she co- where she kept the report paper. So I got loads of, I say got, I mean stole, <laughs> report paper. And when I would get my school report, I would take the staples out and then I would forge different teachers' handwriting <laughs> or at least adopt a different style of handwriting right. for the different pages. Right, right. And then write reports on myself, adjusting the grades and comments, and then staple them back in. Wow. And get then give the reports I'd written to my parents. Did you get away with that? Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. Have you ever to, admitted to it? The, yeah, I have, yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Um, to the extent, I mean, here I am talking about on the podcast, having said, I, th- I think we've talked about this on the radio, I feel like it's one of my stock stories. Mm. Um, but to, it, I was so good at it because i thought what i can't do is do a complete whitewash otherwise it'll seem suspicious right so what i'll try and do is write a report of myself which is is glowing but has a few caveats Mm. of ways i could improve and i remember getting in trouble from my parents for reports i had written about myself (laughs) you'd gone a bit too far yes yeah 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 to balance it out yeah so um but then, then there was a parents' evening. Having done this, I think for a couple of years, there was a parents' evening, and I think at that point, I'd I'd managed to maybe even like conceal a couple of parents' evenings from them. Right. Mm. Oh God! I mean, it's no wonder I live with this fear of mm. web of lies coming crashing down because I was really living a terrible web of lies as a teenager. Um, and it all came to a head one night, and they they went in and found out like that I'd just stopped working two years prior. Oh. And I had to do all because I'd not done any coursework for any of my qualifications. Mm. You remember, like fifty percent was exam and fifty percent yeah. was coursework. Mm. I just hadn't done any coursework for two years, right? And I, I think they locked me in my bedroom fairly much and made me do all my coursework in a few nights. Wow! And I got an A. <laughs> <laughs> two years work in two nights. Wow! I remember, like most of those nights as well. This is turning into a therapy session, but I'd got a gas heater in my bedroom and most of the nights I was just sat sat there, sat there melting biros on this gas heater. <laughs> Sounds healthy. And then doing all my Eng- two years worth of English coursework in a night. Wow. And then getting an A, which really has given me the lesson that I can put anything off to the last minute mm. and somehow pull it out of the hat, which I don't mm. think has behooved me well <laughs> long term. So what did you find out about your son? Has he been like slacking well, for two years? What's going on? Well, bear in mind that he's he's five. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> um, so the 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 thing I was going to mention is that I think we just spent most of the parents' evening or afternoon trying to get the teacher to just think we were really great people. No, oh, so it was, it was the parents' evening and the, it was for you, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you have very short slots. He's in, he's, he's cl- the class size is pretty big, so I think you only have 10 or 15 minutes. Mm. And I think 
a lot of that time was taken up by my wife telling the teacher about some reality show she should watch. No. Yeah, it was a bit bit of that. And and then I think we were both really desperate to convey that we weren't those types of defensive parents. Right. So anything they wanted to say, Mm -mm. you just say it, we'll accept it. Mm. Even any minor concerns or things that we would want to bring up we understand that this is probably on us <laughs> or more likely our son not on you as teachers <laughs> so, you know i think that was very much what we were trying to convey but um the reason the reason i mention it um other than to say that my strategy if i was a school teacher would be every parent who came in all i'd be trying to do really is give them the impression that i liked their kid the best without explicitly saying it. Right. Because isn't that just what you want to hear? And that's going to make you liked, isn't it? Yeah. Mm, mm. Yeah. You want to know that they're, they're your favourite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If somebody says to me, I I just think your son is the funniest, sweetest, kindest kid I've ever met. They could also have a swastika tattooed on their forehead. <laughs> and I'm not saying it would entirely mitigate the, the, the neo-Nazism, but I, I would perhaps see them in a more nuanced light and think, well, the Nazi thing is is terrible. I wonder what went wrong in their life because they are clearly, there's a good person in there because they, they see the truth about myself. So if I was a teacher, all I would be trying to do is um, is trying to get the parents to think that I, I thought their kid was exceptionally nice and then gloss over anything to do with the schoolwork, whether it was good or bad. I but think. the big question is, do you think... For the teacher, do you think that you're her favourites? I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I think I'm rarely anybody's favourite, even though I'm always trying to be. Mm. Well, I think Sarah's got a certain amount of charis- charisma, and by making it about a thing that the teacher should watch on TV, mm. may, maybe maybe she was. Maybe so. we have ended up the favourite. Just want to so. be clear here that the teacher uh, neither has a swastika on no. or any part of her body or has expressed any. Uh, views other than you know ones which are you know on the side of decency and mm. value and and you know, I, I I I I do abhor. Mm. I want to be clear here. Mm-mm. I do abhor fascism, racism in all its forms. I think we all knew as an just yeah. an, a, a trivial example. Yes. I just wanted to make sure that people knew it was all its forms. Right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the forms. All all of the forms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which people always feel the need to add. <laughs> you never hear anybody say. I abhor racism in all of its forms, except <laughs> when people knit it into scarves. <laughs> like, well, it's, it's, it's a strange thing that people have got in the habit of saying, isn't yeah, it? Anyway. Oh, God, I've gone on with myself, haven't I? I wonder if there should even be an anyway. There was, this was all heading somewhere sort of okay. into a bit of a driftery type story. Let's keep going then. But um, I ended up going on to about myself too much in Parents' Evening, which I never... I blame you for asking me. <laughs> Let's keep going. Go on. Okay. I'm just really mindful of that email we had where somebody said, I am going to be honest, Jeff did get a bit <laughs> rambly. And I've been trying it's to rein it person, in. one person, one person. But every, I think they, they were speaking for the group. Right. So on the way to parents' evening, right. we were not running late, but we were running extremely punctually. So we weren't going to arrive any more than a minute early. Okay. And we see somebody we know from the neighbourhood coming towards us. Mm-hmm. And even though I think this might make us late for parents' evening, I stop in my tracks to talk to them. Mm-hmm. 
Sarah doesn't, she carries on walking. Mm -hmm. Now, I believe this is what in Cobra Enthusiasm, Larry David would talk about a stop and chat or a a snub for us. So Sarah's decided, I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to say hi and give a big smile as we walk past. Whereas I not only stop, but I now feel the need to overcompensate for Sarah not stopping. Right. So she's walking on the head. Yeah. Okay. And and then the this this um this woman doesn't quite know what to do whether we're stopping walking. So she's kind of off behind me and I end up just like barking some questions at her like I'm processing her in prison or something, you know, like name. <laughs> I go she's a prison of war name rank serial number. Right. It's it's more like how are you? How's work? How's your mum? <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit like that and then right. then I say we're running late, we've got to go. We go to parents evening. We come out the other side. We we chat about what the teachers said and whether she thinks we're her favourites. <laughs> we should have really s- talked about what she thinks about our son's progress, but it, mm. it slipped our minds. I think yeah. we're too fixated on the other. And then Sarah says, "I think of you as somebody very uh, as being somebody very good at picking up on social signals." And I was amazed that when we saw mm. name of person in the street mm. before that you didn't understand that she didn't want to stop and talk and that she was oh, in a rush. You you messed that up. Well, that's what she thinks. Yeah. And I think she might be right because there's one other factor that was at play that I haven't mentioned. Go on. There was something quite dramatic going on with this person's eye. Just one eye. Yeah. I'm not saying she just has one eye. She's, she's not cycloptic. Uh-huh. But um, in one of her eyes, there was it was a bit full of blood. Right. So I feel that I was concentrating so hard on not looking like I was staring at her eye. Yeah. That I perhaps missed out on social signals. Oh. Do you know how hard it is to look like you're not staring at somebody's eye? Oh, it's impossible. Because if you don't stare at somebody's eye, if you if you make a point of looking away, Mm-mm. you look like you're avoiding eye contact with them. You can't bear to look at it. So it's like yeah. that, that is... It's grotesque. I, how can you expect me to look at that? You shouldn't be in public yeah, with that yeah, eye. Yeah, yeah. But then, if you're staring too intently into somebody's eyes, they'll think, "I know what you. I know what you're doing. You're looking at my weird eye." <laughs> that sounds exhausting. It is. I mean, it's no wonder I couldn't concentrate on, uh, <laughs> on parents' evening. Was that too rambly? No. Okay, we're out. We're out. Let's hear from some drifters. We've heard quite enough from me. Let's hear from some drifters. First one is from Carl. Ever since losing my job a while ago for COVID-related reasons, I've had to work a series of temping jobs. With plenty of new people to meet and a new work environment every few months, this isn't ideal for a drifter, as you can imagine. My story of drifterish behaviour comes from my latest office temp job. On the first day, I realised I had no idea where the kitchens were and by extension, the drinking water, where that was, even though I remember them being pointed out. With a deadly quiet office, I felt like it was just easier to ration the water I had than ask an unfamiliar, busy colleague with everyone else hearing the whole conversation. Problem solved. After a week, I decided it was now way too late to ask anyone without it being weird. So I had to bring in multiple (laughs) bottles of water to last the day. This was never enough. 
I'm ashamed to say that on multiple occasions, I resorted to refilling my bottle from the lukewarm toilet taps <laughs> underneath the glare of a bold sign on the wall informing me that drinking water was available <gasps> in the kitchen. I used to ask myself in the mirror why it was so difficult to just ask where the kitchens were while trying not to think about the sheer amount of human waste that had, at some point, splashed into a toilet mere feet away from my freshwater supply. I was also paranoid that someone would see me going into the loo with a bottle and raise the alarm. (laughs) No idea what I mean by that, but I do remember thinking it. One morning I came in super early before anyone else to avoid questioning and scouted out the entirety of the empty building. Nothing, not even a mention of kitchens on the floor plans marking the fire escape routes. I resorted to following people leaving their desks, empty (laughs) bottle in hand, but partly due to social distancing, always fell behind and lost them, having no idea where they were headed. You'll be happy to know I eventually did find the kitchen after catching someone emerging with a steaming coffee from what I had assumed to be a locked cupboard hidden at the back of another department's office. For some reason, in my head, I momentarily thought the kitchen had been deliberately disguised as a husband as a cupboard to increase the talent challenge for me locating it. Christ, that's crafty, I said aloud, which did confuse my coffee-drinking colleague who thought I was talking to them. Christ, that's, oh, Christ, crafty. that's crafty. That's great. I remember when I started at um, Virgin, walking into what I then realised was the stationary cupboard. Hmm having intended to go into the stairwell or or somewhere else and then staying in there and coming out with some stationery just so it didn't look like I walked into the stationery cupboard by mistake. <laughs> and then the other thing is at the BBC, they have these taps that I cannot for the life of me fathom out. Oh, really? Yeah. So they're for making your drinks with. So there's a boiling water tap Yeah. Uh, that, that also has a cold water function on it, but they don't operate like regular taps okay there's some kind of system where maybe it's touch um motion sensitive maybe you've got to tap it a couple of times then hold it down and i work there so infrequently you know I, i work there for for a week and then i don't go in again for four weeks and stuff that when i'm working during the day when there are a lot of people around i just don't use them Mm. i don't have a cup of tea and i don't drink cold water i just bring in water from home and then when i'm working there at some weird hour like if i'm doing a breakfast show i figure it out by trial and error just randomly jamming yes yeah and it sometimes i get it straight away Mm. and sometimes it can take me an excruciator if there were cameras on me it would go viral but it would be too boring to watch because it's such a long amount of time i think like maybe upwards of five minutes sometimes wow and but i then don't retain that information because i do it so infrequently uh, okay yeah yeah and so you can every just ask somebody at some oh, point of course no of course no. not no no, no, no silly be, no. humiliating okay uh, next one's from laura on the topic of anthropomorphizing <laughs> objects i still have my first car called poppy which i'm very fond of unfortunately though she only has two doors and because this makes it too difficult to put our baby into with her car seat i've had to swap cars with my partner as well as causing a whole lot of parking anxiety because it's a few feet longer i feel terrible for poppy how must she feel when she sees me coming out of the house thinks we're about to go somewhere together and she sees me loading up our other car 
I prefer it when she's parked a few spaces down the street or facing the other way so she can't see and she isn't left wondering what she did wrong. (laughs) And last one's from Brit. My husband and myself went out for a Sunday lunch to one of our local hotels and we ordered a bottle of wine with the meal. At the moment, I'm having a few medical issues and taking some medication, of which my consultant said it's okay to have a glass or two of wine with a meal occasionally, but to keep it to a low ABV. When we received the bill, my husband noticed we'd been charged more than double the price shown for the bottle of wine we ordered. He queried this with the waiter, who went away to find out what had happened, and returned to explain we hadn't been given the bottle we asked for and by mistake had been given a much more expensive bottle. My husband, not being in any way a drifter, suggested to him that we should only really be paying for the one we ordered. The waiter didn't seem to be agreeing with him to begin with, so my husband asked him to find out what the ABV of the bottle of wine we were given was. He returned to tell us it was 13.5%. My husband informed him the bottle we ordered was 11%, so this mistake could cause a medical issue for his wife. The waiter went off to sort it out and then a waitress came over to confirm we were only expected to pay what we actually ordered anyway and apologised for the mistake. My husband, however, continued to explain, through his mask now as he was standing up ready to go to the gents, to the waitress that this mistake could have caused a medical problem for his wife and they could have ended up calling an ambulance. A touch dramatic, perhaps. <laughs> I mean, it's not quite like I eat a peanut if it was an allergy sufferer. It was a bit of wine, a couple of ABV higher than currently recommended for me. Anyway, we prepared to leave. And just as I was about to stand up, the manager and the deputy manager arrived at our table, faces looming towards me, announcing they were phoning the ambulance now. What? The waitress had seemingly misheard my husband and thought he said I now needed an ambulance. Oh, no. no. I wanted the floor to swallow me up, to float into the (laughs) carpet, through the floorboards, down the cellar and into the bowels of the earth. I've never been so mortified and I can never go back in there ever again. (laughs) I've got a friend who's obsessed with the ABV of wine. Oh, really? And obviously at this, maybe you're a new listener, but um, I've not had a drink for... 20 years at this point and I am amazed at how that has changed as time has gone on so I think 13.5 is quite normal now Mm. whereas I think like when I was drinking it'd be quite unusual for it to be so high oh really what what, what was normal in the past like 11 and a half 12 okay yeah yeah I think that, that that was and I think it's just it's crept up and I think you know, occasionally now you even see 14, which I think wow. back in the day, I mean, it's not quite Mad Dog 2020, but mm-hmm. it's more park bench territory. Mm-hmm. The trouble is, of course, with this story, I was just, as I was listening to it, is they've always got the get out of they showed you the bottle before they poured it. Uh... Now, of course, any drifter is just going to say, oh, yes, yes, that's fine, without looking and without really you wouldn't tasting. Yeah, no, but, but, yeah, they have always got that get-out, haven't they? Mm. Look mm. at you taking the side of the waiter. <laughs> I was just talking about the potential for uncomfortable driftery yes, moments within yes. that. Mm. You know, your drifter is... A, I'm, I'm really overcompensating for going on about my school report by trying to bring the podcast back to being on theme. No! <laughs> Is what's going on here. Uh, right, please send us your stories of excruciating moments of uh, social interaction gone wrong. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle. Yes. Let's have another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. 
You know that song, Oranges and Lemons, Say the Bells of St. Clement's? Yes. The children's song? Yes. I think, and I can't say this for sure, but I think it's the only children's song centred around the bells of famous churches of the City of London, or any song. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I, th- I think so. I mean, I yeah, so. yeah, we could throw it open to the drifters, mm. but uh, it, it doesn't seem to be common ground. It's most memorable for the actions, though, isn't it? The, they've got two lines of children. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Two lines of children form an arch, and then they take it in turns to run through under the oh, arch yes. and try not to be the one stuck in the arch for the last line of this children's song, which is, here comes the chopper to chop off your head. Chip, <laughs> chop, chip, chop, the last man's dead. It's also probably the only children's song to feature a brutal, bloodthirsty execution, isn't it? That I'm not sure about. Mm. Mm. (laughs) I think there's probably lots from that era. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, this song popped into my head this week. Don't know why, but I was with my son at the time, so I decided to sing it to him. And his reaction was, he laughed in my face and he really laughed. And I realised quickly what he was laughing at. He was laughing at my singing. He thought I was joking. He thought I was doing joke singing and I was just doing normal singing. And since then, I've come to this big realisation. It's been building up for a while. Like There were some cues, clues there. <laughs> well, I always thought my son hated music and singing because when he was a baby, he'd cry when I sang. And when he was a bit older, he hit me in the face when I sang to make me stop. And when he could talk, he said no when I sang. So I just thought that he hated singing until he went to preschool and he started coming home and singing songs he'd learned. And I realised it wasn't the music he hated. It was my voice. So my big realisation is that despite lots of evidence to the contrary, some huge, overwhelming, case closed evidence to the contrary, I think I've <laughs> I think I've always had an okay singing voice. Like not great, but decent. And actually I'm wrong. What is, it's what, terrible. What, what has made you think that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I I should have known like I should have known. From the age of ten, when I sang a song in the production of uh, Sleeping Beauty. And when I watched back the video that one of the girls' dads has shot on her cine camera, you can clearly hear a boy in the audience saying a very loud whisper, she can't sing. And yet I persisted in the delusion that I was okay, to the extent that when I was about 13, I auditioned to sing a solo in the end of term school production. And the song I chose was Always There, which I think is the TV theme tune of Howard's Way. Yes. And I was in two different bands at school as the lead singer, Medieval Kyrie and Primrose Path. And in my 20s, I had a singer-songwriter boyfriend and I made him record me singing Dionne Warwick's I'll Never Fall in Love Again. And then I played the recording of it to my friends in all seriousness. Oh. And honestly... That just that seems extremely out of character. I, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think I would have played it and like, <laughs> listen to like, I don't know why I played it. Honestly, it was only when my son laughed like I was joking that it finally sunk in. I can't sing. And I keep saying it to myself, this newly learned fact, oh, I can't sing. Yeah, no, I I can't. I can't sing. I can't sing. And it's very much like the time fairly recently as well that I realised that despite for having for years, years, decades, buying products for curly hair like shampoos, conditioners, <laughs> serums, creams, I have in fact got like quite straight hair. <laughs> I've got quite straight hair. I can't sing. I can't sing. Why have I only just realised this? I'm honestly dreading the day that I find out that I can't dance. I'm going to be honest with you. You can kind of dance. <laughs> you can't. Do, you you can dance passably. Okay. So okay, but I can't sing. Can I? It's not that you can't. So here's what I think. Think about Tom Waits. Think about Tom Waits's voice. Yeah. Is that a conventionally good voice? 
No. Think about Bernard Sumner from, from New Order. Is that a conventionally good Yeah, voice? but it's in tune. It's got a pleasant sometimes tone. It is, sometimes it isn't. Mm-hmm. I think it was David Byrne of Talking Heads who said the more technically good a voice is, mm. the more difficult it is to convey honesty and, and, and truth. Is that right? Yeah, so if you can do all these sort of vocal gymnastics and play Vegas, I think it can it can seem a bit cold or mm. performative, whereas mm. there is an honesty to your voice. Oranges and lemons, say the bells of St. Clemens. I owe you five farthings, said the bells of St. Martin's. I think this proves my point. Think of <laughs> think of the greatest singers of all time. Do you know it's them straight away when you hear them? Yeah. I think you have a quality to your voice that means it's instantly recognisable. Nobody sounds like you. I'm going to enter X Factor. When's, when's it back again? Is I it won't, back yeah, again? Yeah. I think they've stopped doing that thing where they kind of parade people with <laughs> terrible voices on TV to, for our entertainment oh, okay, now. Okay. I think they decided it was a bit cruel. But, okay. I, you know, I do have a vested interest because I really like going to karaoke with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> told me to watch that Jimmy McGovern thing, Time. Oh, so good. I started it last night, started watching the, the first episode and I fell asleep about 10 minutes before the end, which is no reflection on the show. And I thought it was brilliant, but so brutal. Extremely, yeah. And I don't know, I, th- I thought, you know, the acting's amazing, Sean Bean especially. I also think I am somebody who already thinks the prison is no answer to anything and I I don't think I need to be convinced about what's wrong with the prison system Mm. am I going to get anything more out of it than than that by watching all three episodes it's brilliant you have to watch it but is it is it just relentlessly harrowing no there's some you know it's light and shade there's some warmth there's some tragedy okay I really this isn't to say I don't think it's brilliant it's just whether I want to put myself through something so brutal for three hours. I also get very distracted thinking about how I would fare in prison. That's exactly all I could think of, like since, because I think, oh, I, I just, I keep thinking, I can't, I can't go to prison. Mm. I just need to do everything I can not to go to prison. I would not fare well there. And that's that's part of the brilliance of it, from what I understand. Mm. It's like how your life can change, mm, yes. like that, and you think, oh, mm. it's not people like yes, me and people do, yeah, yeah, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I used to. You will have heard me in the past perhaps oversimplifying it and thinking of it like glossy Hollywood films and thinking, well, I could be the one in the library helping the prisoners with their reading. Yeah. And I th- the one I d- with a bird in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I do think now, having watched that first episode of that and, and some documentaries a while ago, that I don't know that fare that well. 
I think my strategy would be to just completely keep keep my head down and be as much as invisible as possible. Mm. But I think even that's difficult, isn't it? If you look mm. at someone the wrong way. Yes, I know, I know. <sighs> yeah. I'd also worry about becoming an object of desire for somebody. <laughs> Would, are you honestly worrying about that? Well, here's what I do. So I think I would go along with it, just anything for an easy life. But mm. then what if that made somebody else jealous mm. and and some there was some kind of love triangle happened? And, wow. You know, your, that, your thought process went in a very different direction to mine. <laughs> I, th- I think I would just think, okay, well... Yeah, you know, I'll, 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 this this won't be pleasant, but I'll, 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 I'll go along with being part of this couple. Right. But then thruple. No, no, no. What if then the arrival oh. of my significant other mm. also was competing for my affections? Oh, it's too much. And it led to bloodshed, or I, I don't know what. The mm. thruple, I, I would be fine with. Okay, good. I don't want to be in a thruple. Mm. I don't really, you know. Um, to the best of my knowledge, and I know life is long and you discover things about yourself. Mm. I don't particularly want to be part of a same-sex couple. I don't think that's that's my uh, that's my path in life. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, you know, if I, anything for the anything for the quiet life in prison would be my strategy. Mm-hmm. But then I think, what about if passions ran high and <laughs> and and then I got to thinking, like, why would I suddenly become desirable in prison mm. when there is no evidence to support? <laughs> that I'm desirable in real life. Like it's never happened mm. in the free world that two people would be competing for my affections. Mm-mm. So so why then does become it was does does being in prison see people fighting over me mm. like literally with shivs and stuff. Shivs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I haven't quite sussed out my prison strategy. Okay, keep working on it. Have you? No, no, no. I just think try not to cry too much on the first night and then just shut down emotionally. I think I could probably do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're describing uh, certain relationships. <laughs> That's so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, So then I think, what if I was in prison... And like nobody wanted to couple up with me, even though I wouldn't want to couple up with anyone else. Like, would th- would that be bad for my self esteem? So then, you would don't... I feel like, well, you know, at least I haven't kind of gone unwillingly into a relationship, or would I feel like, what? So I'm 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 just as undesirable in prison as I am in real life. Then. I'm 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 sort of feeling you're getting prison confused with Love Island. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's as much love and lust as you're imagining. I don't know. I've not been in, but like, it's not quite Love Island. You are talking about the one where they have the water bottles with the names <laughs> in it. Yeah, that's Love Island. Right, 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 yes. right, right, right. Um, just very quickly, um, I emailed someone the other day about a work thing and they didn't reply. Oh, right. Then later that same day, I saw them on social media and they did an excited post about um, having got tickets to Wimbledon and they were tweeting a picture of themselves at Wimbledon Mm. and I was pleased for them Mm. and I really wanted to like the post Mm, mm. but I thought if I like it will it look like a passive aggressive nudge yeah you haven't replied to my email I do it all the time (laughs) (laughs) I love it um and then the other work thing was I I emailed somebody another work thing it was chasing money uh freelance occasionally have to chase payments so and they didn't reply. So I sent another email after the weekend, following up on it, and they sent a message back saying, "Oh, sorry, I haven't been able to pay you yet because of unexpected events." 
And the amount of respect I had for that phrase, unexpected events, I mm. think it's genius. Because it could mean my, my granny took a term for the worse and she's been hospitalised. Mm. Or it could mean I've discovered BoJack Horseman on Netflix and you know there's six <laughs> series of it. But it's so ambiguous you yes, can't question it. That's brilliant. It's so good. Oh, I'm going to start I'm definitely going to start using that. Wandry Corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic. Annabelle? First one's from Steve. I can't, I can't tell you how much I can relate to this one and I do not have an answer. Okay. But it's something I experience multiple times a week and I don't know what to say, so this is going to be up to you. Steve says, while cycling into work, I went past a row of houses and one of the cars under the windscreen wiper was a large sheet of paper with a long note in thick marker pen scribbled on it. I was so tempted to stop and read it. Should I have done? So you're asking Is it okay? Like all to the time read a note on somebody else's I, car. All the time. For me it's usually walk past someone's house and I can see like it's I've got to walk up the driveway and up some steps to the door. I can see a note on that door. And for some reason I'm obsessed by finding out what that note says. I want to read it. Or sometimes, yeah, it's a long note and under a car windscreen. Is it okay just to stop and read it? Because everyone will see see you know that you're just being nosy. Is it okay? I don't have much of that to me. You're not, you don't have that nosiness. I'm terrible no, for that. To the extent that I have a lot of unopened posts, I don't even want to know what people are writing to right. me. Yes, that's true. Yeah. You're the opposite of this. Yeah. Mm. So you can't really advise, can you? Mm. Well, what is... What if everybody did it? Is a good, Sometimes Sarah will say about things. Okay. What, what would happen if everybody did this? Well, there'd be a lot of people going up to these front doors, a lot of people stopping by the car, but what harm is it doing, really? And it's not exactly private. If it's on a front door sealed, or a windscreen it? wiper, it's not private. So actually, maybe it's just fine. Yeah. You will look nosy, as long as you don't mind looking nosy. But what if you were caught in the act? What would you say? Well, you'd have to pretend. Is it indefensible if somebody catches you doing it? So somebody's left a note under your windscreen. It's embarrassing. You come out to your car. Yeah. Someone's there reading that note. It's embarrassing, that's all. How can I th- I think that that's the question, isn't it? If you if you don't mind people thinking you're nosy passers by, mm. then you need to ask yourself, what if I was caught in the act? What could I say that would get me out of this situation? Mm, mm. A solution I've considered mm. is taking a photo and then going home and reading it later. <laughs> but you'd still have to open so the nosy. note, wouldn't you? No, no, the, the note is often like just out there. Are you, are you like, actually taking it out? No, if it's, fold, if it's, if it's under folded a screen, over, it's sort of folded over the. Oh, okay. I, I'm talking about ones where it's just open for everyone to see. If it's folded over, I think you can't take it out. You can't touch it. You can't touch no, the note, but no. you can. And if oh, it's so, got your name on it, you can't touch it. So if you were walking past and you could see the note, you're saying, could you crane your neck a bit and stare could at you, it? No, could you stop, read it? But you're not touching it. No. I think it's fine. You think it's fine? As long as if somebody said, Oi, mm. that's none of your business. Mm, yeah, yeah. You need to have a handy excuse. Oops, sorry, a bit nosy. You'd be able to say that? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought it was my car. Mm. I'm confused. Sorry, I thought my eyesight's bad. I thought there was a swarm of ants crawling on that paper <laughs> and I was going to get rent to kill. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes, I can't remember who it is. Somebody I know. Um, if they want to go nosying somewhere they shouldn't be mm. in a building, mm. 
they they have up their sleeve ready the excuse. I was trying to find the way out. I got I got confused and I'm trying to find the way out. Yeah, that's good. Which is good in that context, but mm. it doesn't help you with the note, does it? No, no, <laughs> not at all, no. Mm. I think that's the missing piece of the puzzle here. I think either you're willing to, if you get caught, feel embarrassed or just you don't read it. Run off? Yeah, run just away. like sprint? Yeah. So you could just say... No, I was going to say, you could just say, oh, sorry, I was just... Um... I thought it was a special offer. <laughs> I wanted to take advantage of Oh, you could say, oh, sorry, I thought it was a for sale sign thing and, I, and I'm interested great, in buying it. Great, great, it. great, it. great, great, yeah, great. Yeah. Okay. All the time. Okay, brilliant. Good. Okay, good. We sold it. Great. Yeah. Okay, let's go on to Sarah. Just a quick story of something that happened to me today. I took my baby for a walk in the buggy to Tesco to pick up some fruit, mostly just to get out of the house, partly because of mum guilt when I don't give him fruit. I picked up individual packs of strawberries, raspberries and blueberries, holding them and an obligatory ice cream in one hand and pushing the buggy with the other, I negotiated my way to the tills. Clearly having a moment of pride and making my way through without banging into everyone. I'm not very good with a buggy in small spaces. Hello, lockdown baby. I turned a bit too fast at the tills and dropped the blueberries. Obviously, the film came loose and half the tub of blueberries spilled out. Thankfully, they didn't go far. So despite being mortified, I just crouched down and collected them all back into the tub, stood up and put them down at the self-service with my other items. I thought for about seven seconds about leaving them there and deploying the port protocol of pretend like nothing happened. But there was someone behind me in the queue and I knew they'd see me. Also, I felt bad as it was completely my fault and I'd hate a small business like Tesco to have to absorb <laughs> the cost of a punnet of blueberries. So I did the only thing I could. I promptly scanned them with the rest of the items, paid, put them in the bag, walked them all the way home and then threw them in the bin. I did contemplate washing them when I got home, but decided feeding my baby dirty floor blueberries during a pandemic might get me on some sort of watch list. Was this psychotic behaviour or just classic drifter? What is Was there a better way to handle this? What should I have done? Hmm. So firstly, I think part of the business model of Big Berry is putting them in punnets where they just come apart so easily, lids come off, stuff fall. Do you not think it would be really easy to invent a container for berries mm-hmm. where the lid stayed on? Yes. Or they weren't open to the world? Yes. So that's so the saying, So they, they expect I think part of their to drop business model and buy more. Yes, is part of their business model. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I firmly believe that. Okay. Secondly, I think the thing to do in that situation is to make a big song and dance to the employee about how sorry you are and how, of course, you'll pay for them. Mm. And then the uh, the unwritten social rule is for them to say, "No, please, absolutely not. Um, let me get you some new ones." Right. So you have to offer to pay and then yeah. but expect yeah. them yeah. to say no. I think in in a supermarket environment if you drop or damage something mm. the the little dance is to over apologize and ask if you know um is there a mop or something can I help clear it up mm-hmm. to show how contrite you are mm. and then they give the big reveal of don't worry about it we'll do it and you don't have to pay for it. Right. I think that's that's the uh that's how that should play out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I wouldn't feel worried about doing that in the future. Automated tills do make that slightly more complicated. I think artificial intelligence hasn't reached <laughs> that level yet, yeah, yeah, but it should. If there hadn't been somebody behind you, mm. would you have just put them to the side? 
got away with it. Oh yeah, I would yeah, have been yeah, so yeah. tempted to do that. Yeah, I think involving involving an employee mm. would have been a thing. Yeah, the amount of times I use those self service tills, and I can, this is when I can feel the the passing of time and uh, me moving into an older generation. The amount of times when I think I've done nothing wrong. And then the light comes on. It says, please wait for an operator. Oh, really? Or please wait for an assistant. Yeah. And what generally has been wrong? What have you done wrong? Nothing. It's Nothing. Invariably, they come over, they key in a code, and then it just goes back to normal. Oh. But, yeah, I've talked about our, um, our, our late colleague, Pete, when he would use a cash machine. It was painful mm. because it'd say, Pete, please enter your PIN number. And you could see the thought process of, <laughs> please enter my PIN number. What's my PIN number? I'm going to press this button. You could see all that playing out in his brain. And to me, as someone who's 15 years younger than he was, it was just automatic and it was painful to watch it. I think that same thing now happens when I use the automated checkout in the supermarket. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah, dear. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't then make the choice to go and use a real person instead, though. <laughs> Of course not. I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to change the implications on the labour market single-handedly. No, no, no. Not alone. It didn't no. work for Ned Ludd. Ned Ludd had a no. point smashing up those looms, but that wasn't. You know, mm. it didn't solve it, did it? Did we solve that quandary? By the way, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Ish. Okay. Yeah. I don't want people to think I'm in the pockets of Big Berry. No, <laughs> Big Berry. If I'm not here this week, it's because next week it's because uh, mm. Big Berry will have had me vanished. You seem to know a lot about their business model. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the confidence with which I will use the phrase, it's part of their business model, mm, mm. with knowing nothing, not really understanding what a business model is or anything about the business about which I'm talking. Yes, we all noted that and And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have a quandary for Quandary Corner, if you have a story of social ineptitude, you can send it to us and please do. Uh, we appreciate it greatly. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music, to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. Carla Gowlett took the photos. And I can only finish this week by saying, Christ, that's crafty. I've just seen who the podication is from. Is this weird or is this not weird? Because you and I definitely mentioned this uh, this this person, but I can't remember if it was on the podcast or not on the podcast. Oh, I don't remember. Well, well they're everywhere, says. so it doesn't matter. Tommy. They would have heard it wherever you said it. There we go, Tommy Tiptoes. Feel oddly cheered mm, I know. to read that name. Oh, cheered, both cheered and creeped out. By the end of the email, I'm sure it mm. will have uh, subsided to just being slightly disturbed. Sheer and... terror. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Jeff. Hello, Annabelle. Hello. Do you remember me? Yes. Have you seen me? No. I've seen you. I've seen you in the street and at the shops and in your house. <laughs> I have pranced and strutted ostentatiously out of your view. I've done high 
springy steps and peeked at you <laughs> whilst I was doing it. Do you remember Hebden Bridge? Yeah. I saw you in your leisure time. <laughs> I should like to see another live show, but shan't purchase a ticket. You won't know I'm in attendance, <laughs> but I shall be sniffing your hair. <laughs> I might have a little rummage through your pockets and bags. May I have a buddication, please? <laughs> I will be going on my holiday soon, so I'd like to listen as I sit on the coach driver's head. <laughs> he won't even know. I hope you can podicate the uh, podication around the 29th of June or the 6th of July, please. Tommy Tiptoes. Oh. How are you feeling now? Well, yeah, sheer terror, really. Yeah, yeah I know what you mm, mean, mm. but I mean, I do, do just feel... Fond, I think it's fond, fond sheer terror. Fond yeah, terror. Yeah, yeah. That's something not many people get to experience. No, I just it? did fond Aren't terror. we lucky that Tommy Tiptoes mm. has, has brought that into our life? Yes, yeah, a very unique sensation. Did we figure out if Tommy Tiptoes was an alter ego of Piggy Stew, or, or are they two separate entities? Two separate, yeah, yeah. Wow. Tommy Tiptoes. Mm-hmm. Is Tommy Tiptoes watching us now? Probably, or don't. I'm getting creeped out again. <laughs> well, that, is, that has cheered me up no end. Yes. It's the latest edition of the podcast, dedicated to Tommy Tiptoes. Maybe we should become the watchers, not the watched. <laughs> mm. Mm, think about that, Tommy Tiptoes, yeah. on your holiday. Yes. As you stop off at the services. Mm, maybe we'll be we're there. we're peeping at you mm. from behind the rack of postcards. I'll be in your Starbucks cup as you drink it. <laughs> I've seen your name in the visitor's book at the bed and breakfast. <laughs> I know which room you're staying in. Oh, I'm enjoying turning the tables on Tommy Tiptoes. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. loving it. Um, right, Tommy Tiptoes, thank you. A pleasure to hear from you. Oh, yes, um, as always. Uh, with, with certain, um, certain reservations. Mm. I wonder if one or both of us will eventually die at the hands of Tommy Tiptoes. It's highly likely, I'd say, at this stage, yeah. I wouldn't mind that as a way to go. Nobody will ever know, though. No. They'll just think it was a natural death. Of course. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a bit weird. <laughs> right, Tommy Tiptoes, thank you. If you would like a podication, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.